Hi, everybody. Welcome to another version of the Bruce Singer podcast. I'm Bruce Singer. I'm the host of the podcast. I'm also the CEO and founder of Canada CFOs, which provides financial CFOs, I mean, CFOs on a contract basis, part-time basis, fractional basis. And we're very passionate about health and wellness in organizations. So very, very, very excited to have to have a guest on on the show today, Melissa Secord. I'll tell you about Melissa. She is the national national executive director uh, for the Canadian Celiac Association. She was there for five. She had been there started five years ago and actually turned the organization around. And we'll, we'll get into some of that. Uh, she's been part of one of the proud accomplishments. She's been involved in a province-wide initiative for 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 eye care eye care pro, eye care programming. Was that what it was? It's called ICI Learn, actually. ICI Learn. Okay, involving children. Yes. In, in, in Canada, which is great. And she's an avid pickleball player. <laughs> okay. We talk about people. And of course, she has a passion for health. She's an avid photographer and hiker. And uh, there's an upcoming walk for charity. Lots of great stuff we're going to talk about. And this is going to be this is going to be extremely insightful because I'm also a consumer and I want to know too. Okay. <laughs> so first, first, tell us about you. Tell us your story. Well, first of all, thanks, Bruce, for having me. I'm I'm so yeah. glad to have this this chat with you today. And um, yeah, I've been with the CCA for for five years, and my background actually started in poli sci, uh, Wilfrid Laurier University graduate, um, and uh, and did a communications post diploma. And uh, I never knew I was going to end up in actually in the association world. You talked about you know our paths and journeys, and uh, yep. uh, some of the side things I would do in volunteerism was around associations and. Gradually, I just kept, you know, falling into this role. And for 17 years prior to the CCA, I worked at the Ontario Association of Optometrists, started as a communication person, started their first ever website way back in the day, and moved my way up to assistant executive director where I ran programs like ICI Learn, helping kids get their first pair of glasses mm-hmm. when they were in JK with a free pair of glasses and an eye exam, mm-hmm. uh, ran their big trade shows and stuff. Um, and okay. then I, I took my CAE designation um, to become an association executive and looking for new challenges. Um, the CCA found me and actually the the uh, accounting, the finance manager uh, who used to work with um, the, the the CCA uh, or the OAO, sorry, yeah. um, before I was there, ended up uh, being a uh, the president, volunteer president for CCA. When she saw my resume came through, she goes, oh, my goodness got to interview melissa so here i am and five years later you're now the, you're now running the show yeah <laughs> okay very good very very good okay so we talk about celiac and help us understand about celiac what exactly what exactly and people I, I i think i know maybe i don't know what exactly is celiac and what are the how does it affect people's lives what, what is celiac well what is, it people... what is it not yeah yeah. A lot of people uh, just hear a lot about the gluten-free diet and they think it's a, a like a lifestyle, a fad diet. Um, like, okay, I've just got to restrict these and I'm going to watch my calories. Um, for people with celiac disease, it's actually a lifelong autoimmune condition. And it can actually switch on like a lot of autoimmune at any time during your life. You can be a young child, a teenager, 45-year-old mom. Uh, you could actually, the oldest person be diagnosed is 101. And what happens is you have the genetic um, it's a, it's a, it's a genetic disease. So it's a, there's family history in there. And often we hear about people being the first one, but sure enough, there's probably people in your generations prior that, uh, that have the disease. 
and you've got these specific genes and then something triggers and they're still doing a lot of research on this is what triggers is, is it environmental? Is it stress? Is it hormones? Uh, it seems to come on a lot for women at age 45, 50, when they've, you know, going through menopause. So, um, or some environmental factors and they, they know that it's, um, switching on a lot more these days and maybe it's because the stress factors and the environmental conditions that we face. Mm. So 1% of Canadians are at risk for celiac disease. And what happens is basically your body sees gluten as like an enemy. So when you ingest even the smallest amount of gluten, which is in wheat, rye, barley, and, um, and contaminated oats, we can talk about that if you want. Um, it enters your digestive system and it basically your auto, your immunity basically sees it as a foreign entity attacks it and you actually have like little villi in your stuff in your small intestine yeah. and the and it, that damage actually just, uh, harms the villi and it makes it flat and what happens is is when you're eating proper nutrients it goes right through you so a lot of people are anemic uh they're very tired um but because it's an autoimmune condition a lot of people think it's just oh it's a little gas a little bloating it's less upset stomach but actually it's has long-term health consequences um but it can also uh appear or, or present in many different ways because it's autoimmune and it's how your body reacts you could have high headaches and migraines uh infertility even men and women a lot of people don't realize that they may be on all these fertility drugs but meanwhile if they're not addressing the celiac disease you know it, it still may be a, a challenge um you can have low iron um, you can have osteoporosis or bone health issues. So it, it just, it comes up in many different ways. And so it's a bit of a chameleon of a disease. So it's very difficult. A lot of people think it's IBS or they just think it's just a little, you know, that's their stomach. That's their normal. So I'm curious and no fault of the medical profession at all here. Is it, a, is it a disease could be misdiagnosed? For example, I can go to a doctor and have like a stomach and then they might give me, well, you got, you got, you got inflammation. Here's pregnazone. You know what I mean? I'm not, and no criticism of the medical profession. Yeah, it's is, it's very tough. That... Yeah, I mean, it's uh, because it, it's a chameleon. If you walk in with headaches and migraines, they're just maybe thinking it's hormones, or yeah. they're looking down one path. Uh, infertility, you know, they're they're going down another path. So it often's not first on the list. They do a you know a checklist. Um, and you know, they might say, oh, you've got a bit of heartburn or, uh, or it's maybe IBS or sometimes they just say, oh, stop doctor Googling it. Just, you're fine. So unfortunately, stress. um, yeah, you're just, yeah, you're stressed. And we actually have an Olympian, uh, who's now an ambassador for us and she's a world long track speed skater champion, Olympic medalist, but you know, they just thought, oh, it's just stress. You, you've got performance stress. You're heading into a big event. Um, you know, you just have to manage your stress. But at the start of the day, she would look great. By the end of it, she'd have this giant bloated belly. Like she looked like 40 pounds heavier. Wow. And it was the, it was the gluten in her body Julia, having a reaction. Wow. Um, wow. So eventually it just, it became too tough because she was having anemia problems. Um, you know, she was tired and she was having trouble, you know, keeping up with her, you know, the, the rest of the, the, the team. So, well, so is there enough testing going on? Like, like, because, my, again, no criticism, but my doctor never recommended I go for a celiac test. And eventually I did, by the way, because I was sick last year and I did. And they said I was fine. Um, is it under, is it, uh, is it, is it, is it mostly not recommended? Like, you got to, I guess you got to take it into your own hands, your own health. Should we all get tested? Like, what, 
when do what is what is a test actually? What is it? What is what what's involved in a real a real test to make sure you're really um, really celiac? Yeah. Yes. 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 So, um, so it's a few things. So it, it is 85% is undiagnosed. So it is severely undiagnosed. Um, there's a lot of populations that they think it's just white women from, you know, European descent. It, it equally hits all populations, I think maybe minus Japan, but otherwise, if you're South Asian, African, Mediterranean, Arabic, you know, um, we're actually looking into indigenous uh, uh, communities to see if their risk is being missed. So it, it's just cross worldwide. And so a lot of people, when they walk in, we hear story after story of someone going in, um, you know, they're from um, like South Africa. And he goes, I talked to my doctor, I think I've got celiac disease. And he goes, Nope, you shouldn't have it. You're not white. You know, you're... so there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, just I don't want to say discriminatory or just prejudicial sort of views of how celiac disease is supposed to be. So we that's what our little association, our little charity has to try and do is break through that. It's education. Education yeah. is and so, awareness. so key. Yeah. Awareness yeah. is so key. So to get diagnosed, um, we've got a, a sheet that people can come to our website. We've got a symptom checker. You'll uh, take the symptom checker. You'll be surprised at how many different symptoms uh, of celiac disease there are. And then there's a sheet that you can go and take print and take to your doctor and have that uh, good conversation with them. And, uh, and have that discussion. And then it's just getting a blood test. Now in Ontario, up until recently, it wasn't covered and you'd have to pay out of pocket. But across the country, it is uh, covered. And you get two tests um, that are checking uh, these TGG, IgA levels. And then um, if those come back positive, you go for an endoscopy, uh, which is a biopsy where they take a few um, a few uh, samples uh, in your small intestine and they test it. And that's the confirmation because you can have some other diseases, other deficiencies that may look like celiac disease, but aren't and have similar blood tests. Um, yeah. So really it, 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 it's almost like everybody has these problems you were describing before. I mean, they're common, they come, but so, blood tests. So, so what you get a blood test. It's simple. You it's know, so it's simple. So simple. And really, there should be no hesitation to get one. Now, if you have it, let's say you don't have it when you're 30. Could it come up when you're 50? It can. It can. Like so uh, yeah. some people go forward and get the genetic screening test. Uh, you're looking for this DQ8 and DQ10 genes. Okay. Um, but they're very expensive. So really, the doctors often wait till you're presenting with some symptoms. But there are people who are asymptomatic or microsymptomatic where you really don't, you feel fine, but maybe there is some underlying, you know, symptoms that you just don't realize that celiac disease. And I that happens it. a lot. And that's a bit scary because, you know, they'll say, well, when I eat gluten, I'm fine. Well, you're still having the same amount of damage as someone who can eat just the morsel of uh, gluten and be violently sick. And the long term, I think, don't think people realize like when people have celiac disease, they can be down for an entire week. So if you have employees uh, who are undiagnosed, they're taking way more of their sick times. They're ending up in hospitals, wasting precious resources, um, you know, through undiagnosis. So it, it can be quite costly to the health system. Interesting. So I want to say a question. So I was tested. Actually, I was half tested. <laughs> I might go back and run a test. I just learned something here today. Okay. Like uh, I, I, I got a real good education for myself. The, uh, so let's see. I don't have. I don't have because years ago I went to a conference and everybody said gluten. No, everybody, no gluten. Stop it. Okay. 
can I, by going off gluten, and I'm not celiac, can I come to the point, can I do more harm than good? Is that well, going the other way? Yeah. You mean? So there are people with gluten disorders and mm -hmm. um, they're specifically because maybe they have some other uh, genetic or other health issues and they do need to go on a gluten-free diet. Um, there's about two and a half percent to four percent of Canadians wow. who who fall in that category where we can still help them. Um, they just don't have the the intestinal damage. It's kind of like being lactose intolerant. It doesn't damage your gut, but it just makes you upset. And actually, by the way, people who are lactose intolerant, chances are they could be celiac. So they, that goes kind of hand in hand. I so um, but, you know, if you go on a gluten free diet and you're not celiac and you don't have to for some other health reason, you're actually missing out on some really important nutrients. Uh, and getting that things like fiber in your diet, which is important for managing heart disease. So we actually don't necessarily recommend that people, you know, go off gluten unless you really have to, because there's just so many products. Like if you're celiac, you have to have a strict lifelong, you know, gluten-free, you know, diet. And that is like, and we can always talk about that as well as what that means. But um so you want to kind of know if you need a lifelong diet or it's, you know, or, or it's just, okay, I don't have to worry, but if you just want to, you know, cut out some calories, you can do that. Right. So. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, another question I had too, like, it's like just before it's like, a, it's like a, you have a peanut allergy, you know, you got to watch yourself. You got to really, you got to really watch yourself or you get sick, you know? So yeah. And a, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, when they hear peanut allergy, they go, Oh my goodness. But if someone says they're celiac or they need gluten-free, they're like, really? Or do you really need gluten-free? So and true, yeah. it's frustrating for our community because it has been created into a bit of a fad diet and where people say, oh, I need gluten-free. And then they were at the restaurant and then they're like, but I'll have the cake as well. And so unfortunately, people don't take it seriously. <laughs> and we had a we had a, a, a campaign about it's not pretend because a lot of people you know, sometimes pretend to be gluten-free, they'll say, oh yeah, I'm on a gluten-free diet. But for people like little Sadie, you know, they will be sick on the ground, passed out in pain, oh, or they'll be in a hospital, um, you know, sick with terrible true. diarrhea or bloating. bloating. Uh, people with the dermatitis herpetiformis version, which is the, the uh, rash version, the skin version, Wow. They'll break out on lesions on their body. My goodness. Um, so they're not doing it because they're trying to be difficult. They're trying to do it because that's their health. They have, they exactly. don't want to exactly. have lifelong, you know, complications like cancer and neurological problems. They want to live healthy. And by the way, you mentioned something before about, about food and cake. Um, I'm very, I'm personally very into natural foods and organic. There are some very high quality like it's not what it was 10, 5, 10 years ago. There are some exceptionally high quality gluten-free desserts, gluten-free pancakes, gluten-free products that you should have. You can today, I don't think you should, you can have in terms of if you like that stuff. Oh yeah. You, 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 it's it's become, it's really become a long way. And you, I don't think you have to sacrifice your taste buds anymore and enjoy your food. There's a, there's one there. I won't mention that. This is not the form to mention some of these companies, but some of them have like cakes that are just amazing. And yeah. They, oh, you know, yeah. You can't even tell the difference, really, in terms of taste. I couldn't tell the difference. And, and it is amazing that yeah. manufacturers have come a long way. Yeah, it's long way. not just the banana diet. Um, the breads are amazing. And, amazing. you know, it's like everybody deserves to be at the table. So many celebrations, uh, get togethers, gatherings are around food and you can serve some food uh, entirely gluten-free and a lot of it's fresh food. Like 
you know, um, chicken and beef and rice and fruits and vegetables. And there's a lot of amazing seasonings. You can make some incredible dishes uh, that everyone can enjoy. And, you know, unfortunately with people with celiac disease, sometimes they get, you know, um, feel isolated um, because people will go, oh, she's too difficult or, oh, he's such That's, a bother. People are, yeah, it's, it's really a shame. It's a shame. So let's talk about gluten today, gluten-free today and to today. What are some of the challenges? And I know, look, when I go buy gluten-free, um, I, I say, well, I don't do it anymore because if I'm healthy, I don't care. But I look at the price, you know, and and things like that. There's inflation going on. Can you talk about that? What are some, like, what are, what are like, in terms of your organization, where we are today, what's, what are the, some of the challenges? What are you trying to accomplish yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot and we're small. Yeah. So uh, we, we try to pick off what we can. Like food security is a big issue right now. Um, Gluten-free is normally 150 to 200 times more than a regular packaged good. So you think today with the inflationary prices, um, it's much more expensive for someone who is A, just with their regular um, financials, but it, just think of someone is in below the poverty line, uh, is in a, um, uh, you know, difficult uh, kind of work circumstance. They've got, you know, in, you know, maybe not stable hours and a part-time job and, or they're trying to feed their family. So it makes it very tough. And then when they try to go to a, a food bank, often it's very challenging. Some food banks don't have gluten-free or they don't control it well. So they'll give them food that they can't eat or they'll get very sick. So that's one thing. And we've got a little save me for gluten-free program where we're trying to encourage our community to bag up and help bring awareness to that. Um, supply chain issues have hit our community. We're seeing uh, just one of the big suppliers, unfortunately, we just heard today have pulled some of their products and the community is devastated because they only have so much choice. And when they really grow to love of a, a, a product, it it's really upsetting if it's not being carried anymore because they have, you know, less option, options than, you know, the rest of the community. Um, so those are the big things. And just um, under awareness, and just respect for the disease that it is a serious disease. And when someone says they're gluten free, they're gluten free, you know, and and, serious, um, yeah. and they're not trying to be difficult. They're just trying to be healthy. So those are the some of the big issues that we have. Look, you're so right about that, because like, like, look, uh, until I, I, I learned so much today, because even I'm gluten free, I say, well, can't you have a little bit, you know, like, because I don't know. So one one family member said, no, I, we can't have nothing. Like yeah. we have to be 100%, not even a speck. And you're right, you know, and you say, well, you're, why do we have to go to you? We can't go to Cheesecake Factory with you. <laughs> but, but we have to. Yeah. We have to get more respectful. So I wanted to, to ask you, this has been very insightful. So what's the future look like? What? How do people get involved? What's the future? How do people get involved if they want to get involved? And what do you, what do you recommend? What's going on? What well, uh, we've just launched a major health survey called the State of Celiac in Canada Health Survey. And that's going to, we ran one 20 years ago. And yep. then in 28, uh, 2008 is a benchmark to see what is the quality of life for people? You know, how are they getting diagnosed? How are they living today? You know, we want to see now have things improved, which in some ways we know, but there are some new challenges like the food security. COVID was an issue, yeah. uh, very isolating for some people there. Long-term care is a big scary thing for people when you're most vulnerable and people, other people are preparing your food. So we've got this survey out. So if someone is out there watching um, 
please, if you're celiac or you're gluten intolerant, uh, please take the survey. You can go to celiac.ca and that's C-E-L-I-A-C.ca and it's right on the front page. Um, and those are some of the challenges that, that we're facing. Um, and that's setting the table for the future because it, it is under-researched. Um, we are very small compared to the big cancer organizations, diabetes. So um, we really, we are like, a, we're 50, almost 50 years old. Next year, we're 50. And we're kind of like a middle-aged startup because we try mm -hmm. to turn things around. Uh, and with the popularity of the diet, we're trying to increase more awareness and um, and just get more people helped. I mean, our vision is that every person in Canada with celiac disease is diagnosed and they're empowered with scientific-based information that the CCA, we're very proud to provide through our professional advisory council. And we've got our experts. We've got an upcoming conference. It will be like the who's who of what's happening in celiac disease. How is it being managed? How is it being diagnosed? Um, and we have a whole nutrition day because it's all about the food. Uh, we talk about the challenges of the food, but when I started, they say it's all about the food and how can we keep them healthy? So they're going to learn strategies on uh, best diets. You know, is it plant-based, keto, um, you know, managing your supplements if you need them, um, what you should be talking yeah. to your doctor about if you are food secure, you know, how do you have a sort of a healthy diet? It's very difficult. So it's going to be a fabulous program in uh, mid-November on uh, the, the uh, uh, 12th and 13th of November. Thank you. So in Toronto? In, it's actually online because that's uh, we want to be as accessible as possible across Canada. This, you know what? Thank you. So thank you so much, Melissa. This has been extremely insightful, and I thank you from from our fans who watch the who watch the podcast. But I'll thank you for myself. It's been it's been really insightful for me, and now I realize I don't have to buy gluten. <laughs> you may be fine. I, I might do two things. I might have to go get real tested because I don't know if it was so thorough. Okay, but, uh, you have to be. Uh, oh, and I want to say this before you sign off. Um, you have to be eating gluten to get tested properly. So unfortunately, the only way to get properly diagnosed is to be actively eating gluten. And we have uh, information on how to do that if people have been gluten free. But it is important to get that diagnosis because um, if you want, there's a tax credit. If you are officially mm -hmm. diagnosed gluten free, uh, there are uh, clinical trials coming down the pipeline for pharmaceutical treatments. So you'll need to be have a diagnosis in order to do that. So there'll be, you know, you really need that diagnosis first, but you do need to be actively eating gluten to create the um, antibodies that will trigger the test. I, I, it's important because when I did my test, I was very strict. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's a good point. But I want to ask you, do you have a stat of how many people that are gluten-free don't know they're gluten-free? Like every, every, well, we say every... we're 85% undiagnosed. So there's probably at least in Canada, you know, 300,000 people that... That you have know, it. need to be diagnosed. Yeah. The habit don't know it. That the habit don't know it. And it could be and they could be on other medications that really the this the problem could be as simple as, as a gluten free diet test and a gluten free diet, which today and I think one of the misconceptions too, given all the good foods that we talked about before, you don't have to sacrifice. There's some great breads there, camut. I had some camut there's some great stuff out there. And are it just, is, it is. And it's it's yeah. not like that anymore. It, it's gone so far beyond in the, in the whole scheme of things and some great stuff melissa thank you so much this has been thanks bruce i really appreciate this and everybody we're signing off and have a wonderful day we'll get you next time thanks a lot